You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. News team, assemble! And bigger than ever, it's the unofficial 40 from Soonerscoop.com. Now, here's the entire Soonerscoop crew, Carrie, Josh, Eddie, and Bob. All right, we are back. It is the unofficial 40 right here on Soonerscoop.com. Brought to you by DeadSoxy.com. And, uh, boy, we got a, a really special Dead Soxy deal coming up. We're going to tell you about a little bit later on in the show. But uh, the entire gang is here. We've just been announced this morning that uh, the OU Caravans will return, uh, which means buckle up, boys. We get to go to Amarillo. Woo-hoo-hoo! And Duncan. Don't hey, omit that one. I, we're I didn't gonna... even look at the schedule. So Amarillo's now in the rotation? Amarillo is in the rotation along with Duncan, Amarillo. Tulsa, and, and the locations are Houston, Dallas, Wichita. Um, I think Duncan's the only kind of outlier, though, isn't it? Oh, it's a great city. So. But there's no other kind of like Duncan-ish place. I mean, Amarillo would be the closest. Right. Yep, sure. I wonder what the like I, the decision making process is on that. Uh, just trying to get West. I'll just Texas, say this: that- uh, McCaslin money is in Duncan, so there you go. I love the location of the Wichita event in a dock hangar at Eisenhower National Airport. Like that's just amazing to me. They used to have the ones in Dallas at the Love Field in a little hangar over there. It was oh really? Cool. Yeah. Okay. Okay, I I think that's pretty but cool. But in Tulsa, it's, just, it's Kane's I, it's Ballroom. So that's cool. Which is awesome. Yeah, like who's playing later? Eddie, you gonna put a band together for us? Hell yeah! At Kane's, you got all the connections out there. Uh, I mean, Go. yeah, I could probably do that. Let's you want me to get Graham my Colton. band back together? I was in a band in uh, <laughs> sixth grade. Monkeys with matches. And what did you play instruments or you just were you a cappella? Well, I was the lead singer. Of course, we he performed was. at yep. talent shows and a birthday party. <laughs> Andrew Schleck was at the band. And a birthday thunder. <laughs> you guys laugh now. I was going to be a rock star. I think I put photos of me and my high school band out there for people to see. Maybe the scoop band will just play. I can I can get back on a uh, on the mic. I've got in, I've got all kinds of instruments. Bob, can you play bass? <laughs> Why not? Which Let's means you can't. You're probably better than our high school bass player. So <laughs> he was our high school bass player. He was the guy that bought everything, and he could not play the bass. Doctor Shane Hume. Yes, <laughs> Doctor Shane Hume. He's a doctor now. So, uh, but he was in the band because he bought all the equipment. Like it's just like that movie Rockstar. I don't know if you've seen that with Mark Wahlberg. Fantastic movie, by the way. Um, and they replaced uh, him with a guy, I mean, Josh, you no, you're not pooping on, you're not going to poop <laughs> on Rockstar, right? I love that movie. Mm-hmm. Steel Dragon, was it? 
M- many per- people's probably first introduction to a uh, you know a girl that's maybe not a lady. You know, Mark Wahlberg kind of hooked She's up with. She's peed that's standing a, up. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. The morning after the orgy, she was peeing yep. standing up. Yeah, that was not good. Yep. Yep. You gotta, uh, that was that was peak Jennifer Aniston though in those days. I mean. Is there a non-peak Jennifer Aniston? I'm waiting for that day. She's still... Yeah, she's still strong. She's still got it going pretty good. She's still strong. So, uh, I don't know how many of these we'll venture out to. I I would like... I don't know. We can rotate. I mean, Porter Moser, apparently, just because of basketball and and, and, uh, evaluation period and all that stuff, will just be slated for Duncan. And Is it Wichita? Yes. I guess I should have the release in front of me since I'm talking about it now. Uh, But, I mean, no, that's huge for Duncan. I mean, like... People in Duncan are going to be going nuts. Like, and Brent Venables is going to be at every single one of these. So, like, it was a story I told, you know, you guys before we started. The last time that, that a caravan was in Duncan was when Kelvin Sampson was a basketball coach. And it was one of those deals. Kelvin didn't really want to be there. I don't think he was the nicest person, which Kelvin could be up and down personality-wise. That's, that's, that's not his scene. No, but, yeah, it was like... What am I doing here? And I don't think he was particularly friendly because to this day, if you ask anyone in Duncan that was at that caravan, they'll tell you that Kelvin Sampson is a jerk. <laughs> so that's my uh, Jenny Porter, Brent. Like when you go to these towns, if you don't ever think you're going to go back again, just just grin and bear it if you don't want to be there because they will remember forever. You will I mean, be. I will. You, it will it will be it will be a stain on your reputation from here until the end of time if you're not nice to people in Duncan. I can't imagine three people bringing more energy to right. a, like I, I would think that the caravan scene or the caravan setting would be just absolutely perfect for. Oh my dream. god! I mean, I I talked to somebody. Brent won't even need a microphone in Duncan. He'll just he'll just overwhelm everyone. Oh, I mean, I, I talked to somebody yesterday that was out at the Sooners in the Desert thing in uh, California and uh, at, at Bighorn. And he said that, like, when Brent spoke and, like, kind of took over, it was like people were basically just getting out their checkbook to write checks. <laughs> like, the, and it's just unbelievable. Guys, we see how excited Brent is, you know, like, when he talks with the media, when he talks, when he does anything. I mean, he just Brent is Brent. When the when the people he's talking to, their enthusiasm can match his own. I I don't know what that room's going to look like. Like, is Brent going to answer one question and that will be the entirety of his availability? Like, he he's going to talk about everything, and I don't think anybody's going to have a chance to like ask him anything, talk about anything. Well, apparently Toby will be moderating everything. So good luck with that, Toby. Um, oh wow, yeah. Maybe he'll maybe he'll start to kind of figure it out you know after seven trips like how do we keep brent from going 15 minutes on every answer because the last time he did a press conference wasn't his opening statement like 21 minutes yes, yes. it was there's no opening statement we're just going straight into questions and i'll I tell you what i need me some brent i'll be there tomorrow because uh it's been a long week or what's it yeah tomorrow is thursdays we're potting and by the way, let me just get this out there. Um, just understand, when they have practices in the mornings, Mondays and Wednesdays, we're going to be potting on Thursdays. It's just the way it has to be. So, And it'll be like that next uh, next week, too. Yeah. So 
Uh, it's not that we don't, you know, like we're sitting around like, oh, we're not going to pot. No, it's just you go and you do practice. You're there. Uh, you, you, you know, you're leaving the house at 10, you're getting there, you know, you're waiting around, you get there about 11, they come in about 1130. I'm mean, there probably late. Weren't they yesterday a little bit too? Weren't they running yeah, by a little late? No, they were right on time. Okay. They were at were 1118 they? is when Joe John walked, walked in. And that's why oh, some of the media was late because they were actually on time. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, usually late. you end up waiting around a good, yes. you know, 30 yeah. minutes or so. Uh, and then you go an hour and a half, two hours doing interviews. So then you're at one o'clock, you're transcribing, you got to write stories. Like it's just impossible to have all four of us sit down and do a pod on Wednesdays or even Mondays when there's practice. Well, so that's just the it, way it is. It's kind of one of those things too. It's like, if, if you want us to do the pod, don't expect any stories. So what, which one do you want? Yeah, or well, video or anything. Yeah, I, I know no right. one cares. Like I've not been done before four on Monday and Wednesday, and that's what. And the reality is that there's four of us. There's not many pods carrying four people, and then all our schedules have to align. Like it all has to work because we all have other stuff going. Like. Eddie has radio obligations. Carrie has radio obligations. Bob and I have kids. We've got to like. There are different things that challenge all of us. So yeah, we usually like Wednesday is usually the best fit, but we just kind of have to work around it. Like that's just the reality. And I don't get why it matters other than people well, don't like change. I mean, here's the thing. I I I understand. I'm not upset. Like I'm not. I don't want to talk down to anybody. I'm glad that you care so much about the pod that you're upset sure. that it's not on every. I mean, it could be worse. It could be like, uh, are you? Nobody I don't. Cares. Are you podding? No, I don't care if you pod this week. Like, no, we're glad that. I mean, I would rather have people mad at us. Like, why can't you stay on schedule? Like, uh, I mean, no one took the ultimate shot, which is there for the taking. Which is, why is it that Gabe and Teddy can have a pod with Eddie on it before you can this week? Like, that's the ultimate shot to take at us. We talked masters. That was that was the masters pod. That was a masters pod, which we don't really what? do that here. We we just we we're went talking forty football. minutes. Woo. I got a text from Gabe last minutes. night saying how impressed he is. He had no idea you knew so much about golf. And I, I don't said talk he, about it very often. I said he damn well better be because the that only thing he cares about Korea. besides shooting video is golf that we know of. There may be other things, but he just doesn't talk about them. Well, we, and a, uh, we know you're not a music guy. That I <laughs> yeah, political campaigns, shooting video, and golf. You won't be the Big 12 commissioner who did withdraw. I have turned that down, yeah. I don't think I want that dirty business, and especially now that it sounds like uh, our guy, Bob Bullsby, got forced out. That was a weird It's what fight. Chris Level of Red Raider Sports, uh, our partner at Texas Tech, is reporting. Uh, that Bowlesby was definitely forced out, which, I mean, is anybody shocked or surprised? I mean, like, I from the moment I saw it released, and Bob, you even talked about how weird the release was. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, of course he's going to be forced out. I mean, he didn't see OU in Texas coming. They were blindsided by it. Yeah. And, well, and I, you I, sat you there. was right, uh, Kerry. Well, yeah, you sat there. And you allowed the conference to remain at 10 members when overnight you could just get four? Like, how dumb was that? Like, you just sat there and let everybody do that. And, and look, some of this is stupid because the presidents make the decisions here. They're the decisions makers. It's not Bob Bowlesby uh, 
what is it operates at the behest of the presidents and the athletic directors like they tell him what to do but there was obviously nothing from Bob Bowlesby where he's like hey are you guys sure that you don't want to be proactive about this like Texas Oklahoma like come on let's get a couple more members how do we get this thing done like there was no there was no bridging the gap or working to make it uh to where the Big 10 or the Big 12 became the Big 12 again but as you're alluding to Eddie to me, this is all about the media rights coming up. Uh, basically, Bob Bowlesby being a dead stick, uh, and they need to get somebody in there. Maybe they, maybe they don't want to go to like the Peacock or Netflix or Hulu or whatever, but they need to have someone come in there that has some credibility with getting deals done in in an age of new media. So at least ESPN can be like well, shit, we can't let the Big 12 go to a streaming service. We can't let Amazon snap them up and give them a really good deal. Yeah. It, it makes complete sense. It's going to be super interesting. And, you know, I guess Oklahoma fans probably aren't as interested because they're not going to be uh, in the conference for the foreseeable future just as far as when things probably start moving in that direction. But uh, Look, I hope the Big 12 kind of goes out there and gets a deal that makes OU and Texas go, shit, what do we do? I mean, I, I I hope they do. I I mean, I'm all for the Big Twelve getting a buttload of money. I just don't know, like, I and I guess if anybody knew that it'd be easy, but I don't think anybody knows like what that what that next step is for the Big Twelve or what that next step is for, uh, you know, anybody that's involved in the conference. I, the product you got back to back national champions in basketball. You got a team that's coming in that made the college football playoff. Well, what were uh, what were the SEC in the in the Big Ten, Big Ten? They're about at forty a year for their payout, or was it closer to fifty? I think it was closer to fifty. And and if you looked at like that I, that graphic was running around a couple weeks ago, what the SEC's projecting, right? I mean, we're talking by twenty twenty eight, you could be talking about ninety million dollars a school. Well, and that's the thing with the Big Twelve. You were asking yourself, without OU in Texas, you're like, man, could they get 15 a year? Are they going to fall that far? Like, if you're the Big 12, if you can get 35-40, that's a home run for the league. But it's still not keeping them in line with the SEC or the Big Big 10. Yeah, I'm trying to find what that graphic that was out there running around with, like, the projected TV ratings. Those those numbers just jumped like crazy when you got like three four years from from now when it also makes you wonder i remember thinking and looking at it is like what what does the big 10 do like how are they getting so short-sighted on everything you mean in terms of what do you i mean mean, they're making butt tons i mean they're making a bunch of money but you would just think that it'd be almost step for step with what the sec is doing but well it's because they own their own network so they're getting a bigger uh, chunk. Oh, okay, because it's all coming from ESPN for the SEC stuff. Right. So I think it's a 50-50 split between Fox and the Big Ten. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. So they don't have as many TVs, but they're getting a bigger chunk of the the revenues. Yeah. And, I don't. you know, will that continue to grow with cord cutting? I don't know. I mean, it's going to be interesting because I think the NBA and baseball – are starting to now. I mean, the NFL, out of everyone, they've taken the most advantage of, of the streaming services with their Amazon deal. Um, but baseball's trying some new stuff with Apple Plus and 
what's the other thing that they're doing? Uh, Peacock, I think they're doing a game a week on Peacock, so they're dipping their yep. toes into that. Uh, the NBA's got to fix their deal with Bally and their package, and you know something's coming down the pipe with that. So at some point, there's going to be a league in college football that gets an Amazon-type deal just to get them away from ESPN. It could be the Big 12. going to be fascinating just kind of see what the future of that thing is and i just you know just in general it did did it feel like bob bowlsby had been around for 10 years i don't know maybe it felt like it had been a little bit longer i was kind of surprised i go oh it has been a decade it doesn't it feels like it's been longer than that it took me a while and tcu have been in it took me a while to remember dan Beebe's name the other day when after that was released Remember Dan Beebe had the first real faux Beebe account, like the first real yeah, fake Twitter fake account. Dan Beebe, mm-hmm. I don't think it a was, lot of people even know who that is. It today. was hilarious. I mean, it was like one of the best uh, Twitter accounts that has ever been created. I, I would say it and faux Polini are the yeah. two that have really pulled off what they were trying to do, and it's hilarious. Yes. Everybody else has imitated never come close. But the fake BB thing was just, it was, it was, it was legit. I mean, it was legit hilarious. So guys, how different, like, I mean, you know, I, and sorry, I, I stepped out. I was answering something on the board for a second. So I missed part of what we were talking about, but or you know, part of this conversation, um, if Oklahoma and Texas don't leave last summer, how different do you think the narrative is on Bob Bowlesby? Like, Came in at a pretty rocky time for the conference. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's still status quo because everybody, they're like, if Oklahoma and Texas is happy, we're happy because that's how the conference operated. Because, I I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, he he screwed that up. Like, because, like, I heard Kerry say, if you could have done what OU and Texas were wanting you to do the whole time, why the hell didn't you do it? Like, I, I mean, those were your two breadwinners. Keep them happy. And, he just clearly didn't do it or didn't want to. And then the second he had to, it all comes together in an instant. So, you know, now you wonder if schools were more open to it because they knew they were in trouble or, you know, whatever. Like, so, I mean, there's some other factors there. It's not that straightforward. But I, I just, to me, like, he if you look at the body of work, it's not bad. Like, th- I mean, th- there are some good things he did there and really solidified it after – I mean, I think we can all agree Dan Beebe is one of the worst commissioners in recent memory. Like just awful. Oh, he and was a he was a basically a a, a communications guy that became a, a commissioner. A- absolutely. And for Bowlesby to come in when he did when it was you know like 10 years ago like we're talking about when the conference was faltering, like just on absolutely the precipice of coming apart solidified it, got everything calmed down. The league was fairly competitive. The The conference championship game became a good event. You know, obviously a lot of secondary sports are doing very, very well on a national level. And, you know, you, you just kind of wonder, like, I, I don't know that the job he did was that bad until last summer, and then he just kind of committed the unforgivable sin. I just, I, I, I'm, I'm not trying to be, well, I mean, I'm, I'll just tell you the truth. I mean, OU is at fault for the way things happened as Texas is. I mean, both of them. I, losing Nebraska, Texas A&M, Colorado, uh, Missouri. I mean, that was the first part. And it was it all goes back to the fact 
that when the Big Ten was starting up their network, uh, they were doing it with a former Big 12 commissioner. Uh, who was it? The Kevin Weiberg guy, I think. Was it Weiberg? Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, yep. And I mean, he went in and helped them build that thing, and the Big 12 never did it. And it was because Oklahoma and Texas wanted to do their own thing. And they chased away those four teams to start with. And then they ultimately, I don't, I mean, to me, it's just one of those things. It's like, you sons of bitches. Like, you're leaving this conference after hamstringing them for years, for decades, because you wouldn't do a deal for a TV network. And so now you're bolting and leaving. I mean, still to this day, it doesn't sit right with me what OU and Texas have done. And I know people don't want to hear that, and they're going to be mad because I say it, but it's the truth. I followed this thing my whole career. For all the people that want to bitch about Bally and having to watch, you know, softball games, not on ESPN, it's kind of a product of what Oklahoma did to themselves, is it not? It absolutely is. Mm -hmm. Sure. It's just like, but... They were out for themselves, just like Texas was for signing the deal with ESPN. They were both out for themselves and not for their conference. But at the same time, it's like when you when you think back to that time period and, you know, originally when the uh, Longhorn Network is announced, I think everybody's first ina- uh, reaction was like kind of an, oh, my God, like this is this is going to benefit Texas so much. And it was the exact opposite. It's like their athletic programs got worse at the time. Well, and- once they took away the recruiting aspect of it and said they couldn't just show games. Yeah, I couldn't Friday show high nights. school games. Yeah. Which that, was ridiculous to think that they could ever do that in the first place. Sure. But I mean I mean, nobody watches that network. I mean, they 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 basically, you know, just launch themselves into obscurity from a national perspective. Because unless you're in this region, you don't have a reason unless they force a game onto their network, you don't have a reason to even look for the Longhorn. Like I'm never I've had the Longhorn network as long as it's been in existence. I don't think I've ever turned it on that station unless I've been forced to because they bought a game, like the Kansas game, where they got beat. The only show that I've truly ever watched was when Augie was alive and he would go around to Austin Eateries. Yeah, he would do like like a favorite place. Diners, drive-ins, and dives version of... Yes, it was like Augie Garrido playing the role of... uh, of, uh, Oh, what's his name? Uh, Guy Fieri. Guy Fieri. Guy Fieri, yeah. That's the only thing that's truly ever been on that. And then when you have to watch it for one of the baseball or, you know, softball or whatever games. Augie Garrido going to Flavortown is, <laughs> I mean, that, that does sound like must-watch television. He'd just go and drink like a glass of wine, like a bottle of and wine. I think and he had his own, he had his own restaurant too, didn't he? The whole time he was in Austin. I don't know if he did or not. I could see that though. He Either was that or his like, son had a restaurant. I can't remember which one it was. I'm pretty sure that Augie uh, was was about the finer things in life. You know, like one of the great stories is when they would come up here and play in Oklahoma City at the Big 12 tournament. He would never stay like he always stayed at the Skirvin. He would never stay at a at like some run of the mill at the courtyard. Hotel. Yeah, like he he would stay at the Skirvin, and that's where the the players would stay as well. Like he made sure that they lived well i I mean you mentioning that just reminds me i don't know if you guys are watching the winning time uh thing on hbo about the lakers Mm -mm. but they have this whole arc about uh when the lakers tried to hire jerry tarkanian and like the according to this 
you know, rendition of it. Basically, the mob killed his right hand man to send a message that you're not, you're never leaving at UNLV, and then he ended up turning down the Lakers' job because of it. Wow, That's it's heavy. a it's a great you you guys need to watch it. It's to fantastic. It. Yeah, I've kind of meant to, and it just never like. I guess I'm one of the few people that era of the NBA doesn't mean much to me. Like, I don't care much about 80, like the Celtics and the Lakers. And I know it like, I, I'm just a little too young to give a shit about it. And like Michael, that era was when I, yeah, I came into it. That's no, I, I mean, I, I'm kind of the same way. I was a little, yeah. little kid when yeah. magic bird was a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, when mm-hmm. Jordan and the Pistons became a series, that's when I really, you know, yeah. kind of fell for the NBA. Yep. And plus, you'd go to the mall and you'd see Jordan sneakers everywhere, and it was just, and you knew kids were getting killed in Chicago for him, and you're just like, what the hell is going on? Like, I mean, and then you have obviously Bob being an Isaiah guy on the pod. I mean, so Isaiah we know that. Yeah, <laughs> the only only f bomb ever dropped was after the last <laughs> last dance. I can't. I still get mad when I watch that part again. I still get fired up. Just thinking about him, his explanation about the Olympic team, that stuff, the leaving the court, everything. I still like. Uh, well, he and Magic used to kiss before tip-offs, didn't they? I think that's right. Hmm. Bob until like he got freaked out. Bob inserts his own GIF here. A GIF, you know, I took that personally, <laughs> and I took that personally. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, okay, so. Back to but yeah, no, go check out uh, Winning Time. It's fantastic. John C. Riley does a great job as Jerry Buss, too. It's just it's great acting in it. I mean, even Magic Johnson is like legit, like you believe it's Magic Johnson. And the guy that plays Kareem Abdul Jabbar, just perfect. So, isn't the guy that played, uh, he plays one of the coaches, the guy from uh, Daisy Confused? Oh, yeah, Jason Siegel. He, he's, uh, he's, um, oh, I don't, I mean, see, like, so, um, Jerry West is the coach, and he's insane. And like he's he throws his MVP trophy through the window of his own office and stuff. Like, um, and like then he then he has to bring it back in his office. It's got a big dent in it, and it doesn't even sit on top of the, the little podium thing anymore. So it's just a gold ball sitting in a chair. Uh, so Jerry West quits and quits and then they bring in this coach from Portland and he brings with him uh oh who's the guy that Paul Westfall he brings is his assistant and then the guy they bring in from Portland actually dies in a bicycling accident accident before they they tip off their first season it's like right before the season starts so Westfall has to become the coach and that entire time like uh Pat Riley had just been hired to be the color analyst for Chick Hearn. So it's got that whole thing in it too. So I'm I know we're getting into the, the really guy weird I'm thinking tangent. of is uh Rory Cochran that was in Days Confused. He plays uh Jerry Tarkanian. <clears throat> that guy was in Days Oh my god, the guy with the long hair, the burnout. He's, the, he's like the stoner Holy in Days shit. And Confused. Go look at No, no, no. I'm is. looking I'm I'm seeing it with my own eyes. I can totally see it now. Is that yeah, wild? Because he's overweight as Jerry Tarkanian. Like he's, he's yeah. fat and, put, and he's bald. I I would Crazy. never have put two and two together that those are the same two people. I think I saw. I saw that the other day. 
Yeah, I saw it the other day. Was like, what in the hell? Because I, I and see, a, I confused dazed and confused with what was the Judd Apatow TV series that had Jason Segel in it? Freaks and geeks. Freaks and geeks. Yeah, I got those two confused. Oh, uh, dazed and confused was like a fixture of my high school life. Like I watched that movie a lot of times. It's a great movie. That's unbelievable. It, it really is. That that's wow. Jerry Tarkanian is that actor. This might be the first time Eddie and I have connected on a movie. I, I'm really. I'm I mean, Eddie a just here. blew my mind about. Yeah. A television show. Like, I didn't even think he was capable of doing that. Now I'll start well, going over 90s Masters winners here in a second. <laughs> and we'll even things out. <laughs> now you want to start getting oh, into, like... Tiger! What's he do- what is Tiger doing as we currently speak? Well, we lipped out on five for birdie, but we just hit it to about three feet on six, and we're going to birdie six to get to one under par. Oh, wow. So... Eddie's jacked about this being the, you know, obviously day one of the Masters. Today, today's a huge day. Masters, the Cubs begin their World Series run yes. at 120. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I, you can't say that they're not. They haven't lost today. Yet, Eddie's going to so be passed good. out drunk about 4 o'clock today. No, I, it's, uh, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Eddie, okay. The question I always have about the Masters is, and I know you know, so I'm going to ask you why. Well, ben, why? Why do they hide it? Like, why is it so not visible in any easy form for the average sports consumer? Like, I I don't do understand for why the olds they, like, is what he's trying to say. Yeah, why can't like, the olds watch the Masters right now on their TV? Yeah, they can't. Why, it's they on, can't it's just, on ESPN Plus. Oh, is it? Well, the ESPN yeah. and the ESPN Plus, I think it, their coverage is tailored toward Tiger's group, isn't it? Yeah, he's on the featured group. You can also watch it via Masters.com. You can watch four, five, six, aiming corner, driving range. Like it has come within the last, you know, obviously the last fifteen years. You've been able to watch more and more. I, you know, I remember yeah. when I was younger, it was like you could only watch the back nine coverage. But nowadays, I mean, you can basically, if you truly wanted to watch it with all the apps and all the stuff that you uh, can kind of tailor to yourself on the Masters uh, app. You can basically watch every guy play if you want. Okay, but I, it, it like it's the World Series basically of golf. I mean, with no better yeah. better line to draw. I mean, it, it is it's the biggest tournament. Yeah, you would think but that it feels it's, like it's, they make you jump through hoops to. Yeah, like, it should it's not definitely be like Tiger. Tiger should have been on broadcast television teeing off this morning. Oh, they, I mean, yeah, like, if they could, they probably would. It's just, and the other crazy thing is, is like when the TV coverage does start, and especially on on uh, CBS, you won't see any commercials. Like it is because there's no sponsors. There's no sponsors of the Masters. It's all its own thing. I don't think I'd ever thought about that. Now, you I know, did and, see and, the, by I mean, the way, I did see the Masters watch. And it's kind of cool this year. I kind of want one. I bet it's oh, worth God. thousands of dollars. It's a piece of junk, but I mean, I'd still take oh, it. Oh, is it? Oh, yeah. Those things are those are toy oh. watches, basically. Watching Tiger come up the green there, that's hard to watch. Is it, he it's not a, struggling? It's, it's not a, it, I mean, not bad. Like, you can tell it's not, you know, it's not the Tiger charging the green from, you know, forever ago. Like, But, I mean, you know, he, he's an older guy. Now, that's okay. And coming off a massive injury, so... I get it. It's just it's it was first died. time I'd seen him. Yeah, crazy. He's, God it bless. He's forty six. It's gonna be beautiful over the next couple of days out there. It's supposed to be kind of cold on Saturday. 
Now, Eddie, when you found out he was going to play, did you make any moves to try and find a way to a ticket? I mean, I wish that I could, but like, <laughs> you just you can't get on eBay and find badges. It's just it's impossible. That's why when you ever, so have, basically, you ever have an opportunity to go, you have to like you have to jump on it. You have to go. And it's it's just lottery, right? Well, yes, but then you have you can get like badges. It's just it, it's really can I don't know. It, it's hard because like you can go out there, and if you want to if you want to spend enough money, you can get out there. Sure. Uh, like when we went out there and we were doing the radio show, like Totally Tickets was the uh, sponsor, and they basically like run their operation out of these houses, like just in the neighborhood surrounding it. And, uh, so you can get badges. You just got to kind of know the right people. Taylor Gooch, two under through eight, a birdie at, uh, the par five eighth Oklahoma city zone. Carl Albert, Oklahoma state. Really yeah, that's good guy. I was covering the prep scene. Yep. Yeah. Taylor. He's awesome. Mm-hmm. Be cool. If he's in contention, he was a guy that I mentioned last night on the Oklahoma breakdown, hundred to one going into this weekend. Tied for the lead. No big deal. You taking Monday under the table to promote them on our podcast? <laughs> uh, no, but I should. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't think about that. Uh, by the way, before we get back to football, uh, Eddie, you'll appreciate this. Uh, Dead Soxy, you know, you guys do a great job supporting them, and they want to kind of come up with stuff that uh, gets you guys excited about going to their site, deadsoxy.com. And uh, also... They uh, do a good job of coming up with some promos uh, every once in a while. They kind of tie performance of OU to how much you can, uh, how much of a discount you can get. And so they've got uh, a special promo code scoop. And here's what the promo code gets you: uh, This sale will start uh, following the Bedlam series, uh, and it will go until Friday, April the fifteenth. But here's the promotion. Bedlam Baseball coming up this weekend. Uh, you will receive 10% off per home run hit by the Sooners over the three-game series up to 60% off. So uh, it's their out-of-the-park sale uh, exclusively for you guys on Sooner Scoop. Just use that promo code SCOOP and receive your discount at the conclusion of Sunday's game. So uh, let's say that Peyton Graham hits four home runs. You're going to get, and he's the only one that's hitting home runs, it seems like right now. Uh, you'll get 40% off of your order. And uh, deadsoxy.com, that's D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y.com. And uh, they've got the the new retro socks. You can get uh, your, your percentage off of them. You know, just load up your cart and you'll get a full, uh, whatever the home runs hit are up to 60%, you'll get that percentage off in your total order. So, Eddie, you have any over-under for home runs this weekend? Kind of like I was telling you the other day, I, they don't have a whole lot of pop in the lineup, but uh, Peyton's swinging the bat pretty well. He hit one on Tuesday night, actually, over at Eldell. That was probably one of the uh, biggest, deepest shots that I've seen in quite some time, and there really wasn't any wind to uh, contribute to it. So, it will be interesting. It's a big weekend for Oklahoma. Obviously, you know, it was... Uh, it was rough to watch on Sunday the Sunday. way that they blew that game. But oh my god, uh, 
you know, overall, they're 17 and 10 going into this weekend with Bedlam. Got Tech in the midweek. Next week, Tech actually got swept in a mini two-game series at Grand Canyon over the weekend. I mean, uh, on Tuesday and Wednesday this week. Uh, it's crazy, though. Like, OU's resume, you, you know it's wild, too? They played 27 games. This weekend, when they go to Stillwater, it'll be the first time they've played on the road all year. They've played home games and neutral site games uh, between the games at Minute Maid and uh, Globe Life down in Arlington. But they're 17-10, and 10 and their RPI is 19th in the country right now. Their strength of the schedule is number three in the country. They played four teams. Uh, they played three of the top four teams in the RPI uh, in the country. I mean, they played... They have six quality wins or Q1 wins, if you will. Um, you know, if they can win a series, whether it be this weekend in Stillwater or, um, you know, maybe one of those tech series or the the TCU series, you really start thinking maybe they could sneak into hosting. I know that's probably a long way to go. It's only halfway through the season and Big 12 is obviously really good, but we'll see. They need to shore up some things on the back end. Uh, bullpen wise, but that's a great deal from uh, Dead Soxy. It should be fun. It's going to be a fun weekend up at O'Brate. Yeah, it was good to see him. O'Brate is a beautiful baseball facility. It, it, it is awesome. It was good to see him kind of get back on the horse against ORU after blowing that 7 1 lead against Texas. Yeah, and, they could have gone out and just kicked it around and not played well, but it was a solid, you know, midweek 8 2 win. They're going to need to rack up as many midweek games as possible and then. You just it, it comes down to not losing series that you're not supposed to and then maybe stealing one. You can't lose series to Kansas or Kansas State or West Virginia. Uh, you know, OSU's really, really good. They're a top 10 team. Tech's really good. They're a top 10 team. Texas really good. They're a top 10 team. That's why it hurts blowing the six-run lead in the seventh so much is because that would have been a season-defining, season-changing type series win. It feels like basketball all over again. It's exactly like basketball. Because you're talking about all the quad one wins, the Mm -hmm. strength of schedule, Mm -hmm. letting one slip against really good teams when you had them, and don't lose games you're not supposed to. You've just given Bob PTSD. You've traumatized (laughs) Bob. And and especially when you look at like the big picture, it's like, you know, I I love Skip, and as much as I like him, he's going to need to – He's going to need to make the NCAA tournament. I mean, there's there's just no doubt about that. Uh, they have some good talent, though, in the program right now. Like, I, I think there's some freshmen right now that could end up being really good. And they think Kate Horton on the mound, you know, eventually is going to be extremely good uh, before it's all said and done. All right. Uh, so we're here Football. on, Let's talk we're here on a Thursday. <laughs> uh, just had uh, media for the week. We'll talk to Brent again tomorrow. Uh, no viewings this week, uh, but you guys had defense on Monday and yesterday, uh, offense, uh, what kind of Bob, let's start with you. What were kind of your takeaways, uh, that, that you took out of, you know, meeting with the players yesterday, yesterday, Wanye Morris, no doubt about it. The, I mean, he didn't go into like specific detail about what derailed him last season, but you can tell he went through something in the last 12 months and it was really tough and i sort of just mentioned hey how much would have soul mission helped you last year like yeah that would absolutely would have helped me get through things if there was a soul mission last season and it sounds like a conversation with his mother right after the bowl game kind of sparked a change in him and you know kind of took ownership you know didn't point the finger at any at anyone for how last year played out but he's ready to show 
what he can really do. And if, you know, if what we're hearing early can translate going forward, I mean, that's, there's a lot to be pumped up about. It's wild. And it's not wild, I guess. It's just like, it's a, it's an often a reminder because I remember, you know, it's something that we were talking about even a couple weeks ago, just like, what's going on with him? Why did he never play a year ago? And, you know, listening to him talk yesterday, I guess it doesn't make me as worried about kind of where he was as much as is like, you know, he had some real life 18, 19 year old shit to go through and kind of figuring out about himself. And it definitely sounds like he's in a much better headspace going into this season. And I think that, you know, because of that, you're going to probably see him be able to contribute a little bit more than uh, he did a year ago, just because he's not having to worry about shit off the field. Well, and, and it's like, you know, Bob, you, you featured him this morning on the site. It's a extremely kind of revealing read into not exactly what he was going through, but right. As kind of just, I don't even want to say it wasn't an, it's not an excuse. It's just, this is what was going on. I can talk about it now. And, you kind of just hope that everything kind of comes together because like just walking b- behind him as he was walking out of there, like, holy shit. Like this guy is massive. The, the line he said, I like the most is like, I'm, I got sick and tired of hearing other people say how great I can be. Sure. I just, I, I need to be great. I need, you know, people have been talking all last year about how good I'm supposed to be. Well, now, Let's go ahead and prove everybody right and show just how good I really am. Well, and one of the things, you know, that's going on with us and and Bob, you had kind of uh, thrown this out the first and I agreed with it. And I think everybody else kind of on the beat agrees with it is we want to wait. Like we get these assistant coaches every week and we've kind of made it clear. Like, let us talk to Bill Beatonbow like later in the spring. Like, Mm -hmm. let's let things develop and see, you know, who starts to really gain his trust on the offensive line specifically at that tackle position. Uh, and, you know, you've got Andrew Rain, which seems like a given, you know, Robert Congle is got a big club on his, his, his hand. Uh, so he, well, right. Rain's in a boot though. And Rain has been in a boot. Yeah. He's been working off on the side. Uh, but I mean, you expect that he's going to end up being that guy eventually is, is all I'm saying. Um, but the tackles really, you know, where most people's interests lie, and that's Wanye Morris, that's uh, Savion Bird, that's Anton Harrison. Like, uh, who's going to emerge there? And like you guys, we've all been talking about. Like, like Wanye said, everybody talks about his potential and what he should be. Uh, can he reach that? Can can he convince Bill Biedenbow that, like, okay, he's closer now than he's been in the past? And it's 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 just waiting till the end of spring till we really can kind of get that that true report. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it would have been a waste. You know, we get these assistants once per spring, so you're kind of being you know planning it out is like what position group isn't going to change that much. Like, and the same you know, way with Todd Bates. I mean, yep, he's got to spend a lot of time with a, a whole lot of new faces on the defensive line to him and to even us. You know, how's that going to shape out? Yeah, you want out. Bates and Brandon Hall last because we mentioned safety before. Like <laughs> none of the returning starters are back, so give it time, evolve, develop, and then hopefully here in the next couple weeks, those guys will have a better idea of what they think their room might look like coming at the end of spring. Yeah, as you- great as as great as Wanye was too. Also, that you know, I spent a lot of time with uh, McCade Matower 
and a very bright guy. You can tell that he went to a really good school in Cal. And uh, it's going to be really interesting to see kind of where he fits into all of this, because I do think that like just kind of the way that he, I guess, presented the conversations that he had with uh, Bill when they were recruiting him from Cal. It's like, I think he kind of expects to kind of walk into a situation in which he's going to be playing quite a bit. I mean, he's got the the pedigree to do so. Sure. Sure. You know, and he's coming, you know, it's not, it's not a huge culture shock. I think people see he's from, he went and played at Cal. He doesn't know anything. He's from Houston. Yeah. He's from, you know, he's he's okay. He's going to be okay. (laughs) No doubt about it. And I think that, you know, doesn't his he has a brother that's a really good yes, quarterback, quarterback. In there, right? Mm-hmm. Quarterback, yep. Mabry, Mabry Matow, that's a really mm-hmm. cool name. Yep. But right. he has great hair too, I will say. And I wasn't there because him and Wanye went at the same at the same mm-hmm. time. So I didn't get to ask about him being Jackson Dart. I really would have liked to have, to have done that. Yeah, he's if if you remember, he was the guy that uh was, was eating alone at the, ranch. at the ranch. Yeah. So funny. It's like looking back on it and just sitting there thinking like how could anybody ever think this guy played quarterback? <laughs> I mean, he's a massive <laughs> offensive lineman. Well, it, and you mentioned, you know, talking to Brandon Hall later too. Uh, I know I saw on the board there was a kind of a defeatist thread because I guess uh, Teddy Lehman had said a bunch of good stuff about TD Roof uh, and the fact, you know, he's coach's son, uh, which I don't know about you, Josh. I don't know if – did you see that thread – I haven't seen I, I I haven't seen the thread. I heard some of what uh, Teddy apparently said, though. Well, I mean, I I was wondering if you saw it because I don't if I wondered if you had the same reaction I had, which is these are the same people that we saw turn on Tom Wart. So I don't know <laughs> if I'm willing to go down this road again. Like, uh, and then you know, then you got to Well, that means that that the uh, that uh, Justin uh, Broyles is going to start to. Yeah. I mean, I, I put it in our viewing thread from Friday. That dude knows everything. He is on well, the ball. He's been there for he's, six years. I mean, he should. But it's a new system. Uh, and he yeah. is absolutely on top of every single thing that was special teams. He knew exactly what Valai was asking to do. He knew exactly how it needed to be done. He was showing the young the younger players how to do it. And then when he went to safety with Brandon Hall, he was the first one that went through. So there, I mean, I will say I this about I will say this about Broyles. I mean, and we all know this. The reason that he had such a hard time early in his career, he's not very fast. I mean, it's just not. He doesn't have quickness and speed that you need to be a great player in college. But after five years, you could tell like the game had slowed down, and he was able to do things and you know anticipate things and make up for that. So you are going to see, I do think that you'll see a guy that can play well if he gets in there uh, and is a big part of the defense because his experience allows him to play without be, having, you know, um, exceptional physical abilities. But still, Guys, when you play, if you go where you want to go and you're playing for a national championship, you kind of want, you need to have guys that can do both, that have exceptional athletic yep. ability and, you know, can anticipate things. Just go, I mean, the. Go ahead, Josh. The the people that thought Justin Broyles was not going to have any impact once the new staff got here are just ignoring 
what coaches are. Coaches are going to go with guys they can trust. And for all the same reasons we love Justin Broyles as a human being, they love him as their player. He is accountable. He is, he's going to know, like Bob said, he's going to know everything that can possibly be known. He's a, he's a, he's as natural a leader as I've ever been around. Like the guy, guy, he gets it. Like he's just one of those guys. Like Eddie, you remember when we went to see him in high school and he literally yep. took us around the locker room and was introducing yep. us to the entire John Marshall team, like and player by player. A, that was as a guys don't do that. He wasn't even yes. a senior at the time. Guys don't, and like, Justin, one of the last conversations we had, he was literally upset with me, not because of his ranking, but because of where we had one of his teammates. And Justin was not just like, you're wrong on this. Like, he was mad at me for being, being wrong. And like, and that's okay. Like, that's not unusual, but that's the kind of guy he is. Like, he puts his teammates ahead. Like, I mean, he really, all the coaching cliches, he embodies them. So, like, the idea that this staff wasn't going to love him, too, is insane. Some, if someone's going to beat Justin Broyles, they will have to go take it. Like, they will have to be that much better as a player, and they're going to have to match his preparation, which is going to be really, really hard to do for a, one of these young guys. I, I, I just like I this mean, idea, too, that, like, TD Roof can't play football. Like, I mean, I know it was Appalachian State. And I'm not saying that he's going to be the next Buckus winner at OU. I don't think anybody's going to be complaining if he makes a tackle for a loss, though, instead of missing a guy or not being able to line up right. I'll be honest. The, the linebacker like that's now the guy that people are going to second guess. Like he's had some. Of course. Brent Venables has had some real. <laughs> he's had some really good linebackers at Clemson. I thought the guy that they had last year that was their team captain that got hurt in the bowl game. Like Skalski. Skalski, yeah. Skalski. Just like yeah. to me, that was the tryhard guy. That was a guy like, okay, well he's you know, he doesn't look like a physical specimen, but he obviously knows what he's doing and everybody looks up to that guy. Like to me, that kind of screams like, you know, that's that's Brent Venables. That's that's the kind of guy that he lives, you know, to coach. Uh and he you know he's he, coaching himself. Yeah, he, well, he mean, was that, coaching himself it. and everyone else. Yeah. yeah. And, and guys, people love to make, the, like, people like, oh, Rocky Kalmus. You think Rocky Kalmus was the most talented linebacker Brent Venables ever coached? No, not even close. He not wasn't even, even the, close. the most talented on the team. Yes. Horace Marshall like, was more talented than he was. Teddy Lehman. Like, yeah. I mean, like, you, you, you name it. Like, I, and I'm not saying, like, Rocky wasn't very talented. He absolutely was. He was a football but like, player. If, yeah. if I had put him, like, put his, height weight measurable in front of OU fans and just didn't present who the name was like that dude can't play for us like that they, they would absolutely be of that opinion because Rocky was 63 kind of long and lanky 220 230 and probably ran a 47548 like not like not some scary athlete now and the game has changed a little bit I get all that I'm telling you though I, I saw it, Rocky play in high school uh, he was a great running back, though. I mean, like yes. he was just a football player. I mean, that dude—you just put a football anywhere near him, and he was going to find a way to make a play uh, or do something with the football. He I, I want to be beast. clear: I'm not shitting on Rocky at all. That's not what I mean by this. Oh, you absolutely were. Like, no, absolutely not. <laughs> like I, I, you know, like I, I was on campus with Rocky. There are some great stories, like I used to hear about him at, at different stuff. So, like. 
he was a good dude, a great football player, like all that stuff. So like, I got no problem with him at all, but it, it's just one of those things where people get this stuff in their head. The other thing I'll say, and you know, Eddie brought up TD roof and we've talked about Justin Burles. Guys like that are going to get the early reviews because they know what they're doing. They know where to be. These other guys that are, let's say more talented, more, the David more matched, the physical thing. They're going to take a little more time. They're not going to be there right now, but let, it's kind of like the kids in high school that like are the freshmen all Americans. And then all of a sudden when they're seniors, they're like, Oh yeah, they're good, but they're not like they were when they were freshmen. No, everybody else just caught up. They grew three inches or they did this. It's just the reverse. Those guys are already bigger, faster, stronger, but they don't have the understanding of what's going on on the field in the same way. Give it time. Let them get through the summer. Let them go through all that stuff. And then we'll see where it's at. I, I've got a feeling it levels out a little bit. I, again, with Broyles, I'd bet you Broyles is a day one starter. I'd bet money on it. TD Roof, I bet he's a roll guy. Yeah. I, it, it is exciting. Like hearing Kerry, you know, talking about Rocky just being a football player, like at the heart of yep. it, just being a great football player. Like it, immediately I start thinking of like, and it might be a little bit of a bad comparison, but like Eric McCarty and the way that he just wouldn't have been offered by the previous staff. But it seems like they're getting back to that idea of just get football players in the program and then you figure everything out. Obviously, they're going to have to fit and can they play at that level, that kind of stuff. But I, I think that's a step in the right direction. That's kind of exciting to me. But you have to balance it too, though, because it's like, sure. Sure. like Al- we all know Alabama – like they just won't take certain guys. Like no matter what kind of film, what what shows up on tape, you got to be a certain height, certain weight, certain you know uh, size. I mean, I'm sure it goes to wingspan, hand size, all that stuff. Like that's all the stuff that they take. Like they they we've talked about this before. They want to eliminate any potential for uh, you know a kid being a fluke. Like they don't. They would rather get someone with all the measurables and then have them be a bust than to keep taking chances on guys that don't have the measurables, hoping that they'll be as successful at college as they were in high school. Sure. Absolutely. And, and and I think, and Eddie's right. Like there's just more of a, there's some room for, okay, he's not the perfect prospect. Like the, the previous staff in some ways, it didn't matter if you were that good of a player. You were big, you were long, you were fast. Okay, problem solved. Like, and don't get me wrong, they found some re- – I, I don't want to, like, rewrite history. They found some really good players by that methodology. Dante Manning's one of the best examples of they found a guy with the physical stuff they were looking for, and, oh, yeah, he was a really good player too. But there were guys that you were just kind of like, I, is he that – like, Noah Renze is a, a really good example, like – Noah, Noah was never a dominant guy on tape. Like he showed you some things, but like when OU offered him, I, I think his best offer at that point was, you know, like division two. And that's again, you can be that good, but if you're making that bet a lot, you're going to have a problem because yeah. you're not always that much smarter than everybody else. Well, and you know, I, I, I think the one thing about spring, you know, practices so far. Uh, we've got a lot of early feedback on like Dylan Gabriel, and I probably think it's a good thing that you know not a lot of people are talking about Dylan Gabriel. He's just a guy that goes out there, uh, and and is 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 consistent every day at practice. Like 
Yeah. And that's consistent and confident. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's just like there's nothing real showy about the guy. I mean, it looks like he's doing a lot of trying to kind of ingratiate himself with teammates and, and doing things with teammates. You see a lot of, you know, outings and things like that, just trying to kind of blend in and, and make this team his own. And that's all that, you know, you really need to, to, to ask for from him in the spring. That's That's been the most striking thing, too. And it's not just like he didn't necessarily like ease his way into this. It was almost, and Marvin was telling, Mims was telling the story uh, last week just as far as like, the first day that he was here, the first day that he was in Norman, he's calling Marvin Mims like, hey, let's go throw. Let's go do this. Let's go uh, get together. Let's get the offensive linemen together. Go eat. Uh, Andrew Rain was talking about that earlier in the in, during the spring. It's just it's almost wholesale as far as the way that he's kind of sold himself. It reminds me a little bit, even though it's kind of completely different scenarios, just as far as like the way Baker kind of ingratiated himself with everybody and everybody loved him from the moment that he stepped on campus. You kind of get that feel with Dylan Gabriel. Uh, but you know, at the same time, you got to go out and do it on the field. It's like, I keep going back to this idea. It's like, everything is so picture perfect right now. And they're in that honeymoon period, but you know, you go out and you turn the ball over three times in Lincoln in the second game of the season, and nobody gives a damn what you did during April. <laughs> well, you can say that about any position though, too. Really. Sure. Yeah, no mm -hmm. doubt about it. You say that for the staff as a whole. I mean, it's just it's all been really, really positive as far as uh, the way that Dylan Gabriel has kind of uh, won over his teammates and shut it in such a short amount of time. And, you know, I, 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 I in a way, it's almost like and I've kind of found myself thinking this, too, that I kind of forget that he was really good at Central Florida. Like he had like he is a veteran college football player when you really kind of get down to it it's not like he's having to come in and prove himself he's already proven himself in a way at least with what he's been able to do on the field it's just about actually doing it now in an Oklahoma uniform instead of doing it against you know in Orlando at Central Florida well and you know hopefully the fact that everything is so new uh and everybody is learning a new system hopefully that means we get to see more than normal during the spring game. Like, hopefully we get to see more Dylan Gabriel than just, you know, three series and he's done. Hopefully you get to see uh, a little bit more from the running backs. You know, uh, you know uh, I, I would assume you'll see plenty of Javante Barnes, uh, but I want to see Marcus Major. I want to see Eric Gray. Yeah. Well, watch the W drill. We'll see who who, who survives. survives. <laughs> <laughs> what that, That's a good point. Looks like. Yeah. I mean, if they're going to practice that hard every day, they're going to have a quite a few guys sitting out, probably. So, no doubt, it was talking. It was it was a lot of fun talking to Ethan Downs on Monday as well, uh, because I mean, you you get him, and you know, I think Miguel Chavis was talking about it just as far as you get a guy that just he truly I think would die to play at Oklahoma. Like he is living every sense of the dream that any kid that grows up in Oklahoma is living right now. Every football player, forty-year-old white guy's dream that loves yeah, football. Yeah, I mean, like truly, like, it, and you know, when you throw in like the Schmitty stuff, and it just seems like him and Stutzman and those guys—they're like perfect, like molds for what you want in this program right now, and what Brent Venables wants. And uh, I don't know. I mean, you watch like the the interviews that we did with him, and it kind of gets you fired up about the sort of football season. I I went with. 
Agwebu just because here he's got all the tools, all resources in the world to become better at his position. First, I thought may, maybe they might see a different spot for him. And when within the first minute or two, David's like, no, I don't want to be on the line of scrimmage anymore. I love what I'm doing. I've got Brent. I've got Ted Roof. I've got Curtis Lofton. I got Rufus uh, Alexander. I've got all these guys in the world who can get me to where I need to go. And so we'll, we'll see, you know, cause I, I think obviously ex- the expectations were immense for him in 2021 didn't live up to them. But then again, not a lot of people did on defense. So can he become who we saw at the end against Florida in the cotton bowl and build off of that in 2022, by the way, you mentioned Ted roof. I just want to throw this out there. Cause I don't know if we've said it enough, but you know, he first takes over uh, and, you know, everybody's throwing his picture out there because he looks like an accountant. Um, he looks like Joe Madden. He does look like Joe Madden. He does yeah. look like, yep. But he looks like a very mild-mannered guy. I want everyone to know, when you go out there and watch practice, he yes. might be the most insane person, including Brent yes. Venables on that field. Like, he is insane. Like, he is all over the place. He is in people's grills the entire time. Like, that dude is coaching his ass off all like whatever the picture looks like. Like I think he now, I, I wouldn't compare him to a accountant. I'd compare him to maybe a serial killer. Like it's just that guy. Like he is insane. It the picture does not match up with his actions. When you go out there and watch a practice. I just think, I yeah. feel like people need to know that. I mean, watching it Friday, I just watched, linebackers and the secondary all 30 minutes and like roof is a, a different character special he's coaching to... special teams he's up in people's grills i mean just a crazy person and it's a lot of fun to see and i don't mean any of that in a bad way like it's awesome no, it's a great thing yeah and i think that like the, the one of the things that has been like just as a whole with any of the players that we've talked to and i think i've said this last week it's been almost a little surprising to me how receptive they have been to the, the almost like the idea. And I don't mean this in a bad way or a negative way towards the, the previous coaching staff, but it will kind of sound like it, but it's like, they've been so receptive to the idea of being not just coached, but coached in a manner that they almost I, were like disappointed that they weren't getting. Does that make sense? Yeah, because it was like kitty gloves the entire time. Well, and it takes yeah. the players to actually make you realize that, though, because we didn't see anything. Like, well, yeah, you know, we'd David, be out there uh, and you'd see about that. You'd see like you know Roy Manning and you'd see Alex Grinch, but that was really about it. Like, yeah, and, and I mean when the players come in and they they are sharing all that and they're like, you know, it's awesome that we're being coached like this now, and you're just like. What the hell was the last staff doing anyway? It's It, it was almost like, the, and I, I think you were over there when uh, he was talking about this, Bob, with the Wegbo, and it was like, he, they knew that things needed to be changed, but nobody was ever willing to take the initiative a year ago and come in. And it's almost like they just needed a new set of eyeballs. And I think a lot of that, you know, you could expand that to the entire football department as far as, Everything had been such the same for the last 20 years, and they were very successful. It worked out for a lot of people. But at the same time, 
there needed to be some new eyeballs in there to say, you know what, maybe we should be doing it this way, or maybe we should be doing, and this, this is not just on the field. This is off the field, everything within the program. And yeah, that, that's you know, what... I, I, I think that it's, it's certainly helped. I don't, does that mean that, you know, they're never going to have any type of adversity and never you know, give up first downs and stuff? Of course not. But it's just, it's, it's like for the first time in, you know, 20 something years, it feels like there has been, uh, you know, some new blood that has been invigorated and it's not just refurbished, if you will. It's, it, it, it's, it's truly new. I think yeah, there was that, one. That's something that Thad talked about a, a lot. It's very easy to take a lower, you know, bottom rung pro, you know, program and get it me to mediocre or e- even to good. But when you have to get from good to great, when you've had all that success, it, it's hard to realize that something's got to change until something actually does change, until new people get in there and f- a fresh look. And then you realize, okay, this is what we need to attack. This is what needs to go. And obviously that's been the process during the last last couple of months. You know, I've thought about this a lot um, the last couple of days just because of all those things that you're talking about and, you know, guys talking about facility upgrades and all this stuff. Um, you know, when Bob was here, uh, you know, they did improve the facilities, especially early. And then it got stagnant for a while. Then they built the north end zone, and then he quit. Um, but, like, Bob was never... Like, he was there to coach football. That was what he loved to do. To me, it always seemed. Not so much recruit. Like, he would do the recruiting, uh, but it wasn't like... It wasn't like, okay, what can I do? When it comes to Bob, it it, it wasn't like, what you know, what can this team do better like from year to year, but it wasn't like, what can this program do? But he left that up to Joe Castiglione and people in the administration. And then Lincoln comes through uh, and his staple was kind of, well, what can we do to recruit better? Uh, And they did. And that seemed to take up most of his time besides coaching was the recruiting side of it. And now you see Brent come in, you see Thad come in, you see all this stuff where they're thinking about Internally in the football program, they're thinking about bigger picture stuff than anybody that we've seen before them. Whether that's uh, you know tearing down walls, dining halls, uh, you know the soul thing, um, just all the things around the like you saw a little bit like the grow you stuff where they'd have speakers come in, but I don't think really anybody had ever really thought like in those terms where okay, we're good on the football field, we're good in recruiting, how do we make this better than it is right now outside of just X's and O's and Jimmy's and Joe's? Like, how, And that's where this program is now headed under Brent Venables. And it's like, like you guys said, you can't really see that until you see it. Like Lincoln would have no idea about this kind of stuff because he never, he was never in a system that thought about things this way. And Brent has been under under Dabo and and under Clemson, and now that's coming to Oklahoma. And to me, that's the most encouraging part is now you have a head coach. He's a great head coach, or he's a great position coach, great coordinator. We'll see if he's a great coach, but he also is thinking about all these other things like facilities, like uh, nutrition, like uh, training, like rehab, like you know all this stuff that nobody has really put a lot of time and effort into that I've seen in the past. 
Well, and I think isn't a lot of that too. I hate to put it like this, but it was covered up because they did win so much because they have been consistently putting out 10 win seasons and winning big 12 championships and getting to like that stuff would have been exposed if you're running off seven or eight win seasons, isn't it? But I also think it's part of the staff staffing issue. Like they were shorthanded when it comes down to it. All their time was being spent on coaching and recruiting because they didn't have enough of a support staff to free them up to be concerned with other things. And when all your time is spent coaching and recruiting and you go to the college football playoff and you lose, then you can say, well, everybody on the outside is like, well, it, it wasn't good enough, but it was pretty good. Like, no need to make massive overhauling changes to get to the level that we want to get to because we're almost there. And that's something that, you know, Wanye, uh, to a, every player that has come in, and they've praised the soul stuff, but just having those guys around, it's 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 incredible. And you see Teddy and Dusty and Dan Cody coming back to talk to players. It's that's another element of like just this this new look at the new staff and the new program and everything that's gone into it that has just been sort of amazing to me is just how much had been I don't know, it's lost the right way to say it. Well, the thing was, those those players like Dusty and Teddy and, and, and even, you know, for, like I've talked to Jason White about this, like they wanted to be a bigger part of the program, but they just weren't sure. allowed that opportunity. And now, I think now that Brent gets is there, he gets it. Like those guys are welcome. And they, you know, with the Soul team and all that, uh, they've got a lot of former players and they can reach out to former players and they can say, hey, you know, we'd like to have you around. Like no one was openly inviting anyone to anything. And no, and even the people that wanted to be a part of it didn't feel like they could be a part of it. Yeah. No, that's that's a good point. It it's just amazing to me that I mean, there were so many guys that I don't shunned isn't the right word, but it was just it wasn't a welcomed atmosphere. They had to be able to bring something to the table for in well, the eyes of the previous staff. And see, I think that goes back to, to staff. That goes back to yep. To you know, building an industry inside that football program, you know, building a a support system which they just haven't had before. And kudos to Josie and the donors for you know doing all this stuff that they have. And we always looked at like Georgia's staff list or Alabama's staff list, and everybody's like, "Oh, how ridiculous is that? Like, what a bunch of overspending and how you know how fiscally irresponsible that is." No, you you just kind of need a lot of people to run a program at the highest levels to free up your coaches to not be overwhelmed by doing so much. In a way, doesn't it kind of almost make like what Alabama's done over the last decade that much more impressive knowing how hands-on those boosters are down there and the ability for them to kind of just step back or at least from what I can tell, a step back. I'm sure that it's not like that if you're in it every day. But like Texas is a perfect example. We've talked about this before. Just you know, as much money that goes through the athletic department and how many voices want to be a part of the decision making processes down there. It's amazing that a school like Alabama or a school you know like Oklahoma, I guess, for a certain extent, 
they I, I, it comes down to strong leadership. I guess I'm kind of talking my way into the answer that I'm looking for. Is, <laughs> it's just like it, it's well, amazing no, Eddie, to me. I think that, what it is, what it, what what really stands out to me when you say, "Well, what's so impressive about Alabama?" It's just we've all said here the entire time and said, "Man, how much longer can Nick Saban do this?" When it comes to what you know, we're finding out now is. The reason Nick Saban can keep doing that is because him being the head coach at Alabama with all the support staff that they have is a much easier job than being the head coach at Oklahoma. Like it was harder, it was a harder job for Bob Stoops to perform year after year because he just didn't have the the people to lean on and, and the people to make his life easier like Nick Saban has had at Alabama all these years. That's what I'm starting to kind of feel. Like there's a reason he's going to keep coaching because it's not, it's not killing him every year to be the head coach of Alabama. Sure. Like it kills. Well, it, it helps when you, you have know, other coaches at smaller out and schools. Gets all those rehab coaches. I mean, it helps when you have guys that have run programs before, and you know they're not necessarily being tasked with a bunch of shit. But like, you know, Mike is a great example of somebody that went down there and. Uh, I'm sure did a bunch of shit that nobody wants to do, but it was kind of part of that process. Oh, guys, it's gone. I mean, I know we've talked about it on the pod, but it's gone a little understated. Matt Wells is a nice resource for Brent Venables. Great, like he, he, I mean, just a a great rebound for him. I mean, obviously, I he's not going to be needing to buy a house in Norman because I sh- I would imagine this is going to be a short stay. But I mean, can you imagine like? I think we all think Matt Wells is a great football coach. Well, it's not like Tech just went in the dump after they fired him either. I mean, like, he put together a decent football program team. Oh, I I mean, I think that that was a situation. That was, you know, I don't know what you guys have heard, but it just sounds like that was never, never a real good marriage between the two. It just was, it was a bad fit for everybody involved, and sometimes that happens. At some point, I mean, though, don't you have to ask, point, is is it, it, I mean, like, is it the coaches or is it tech that's impossible oh. to get along with? Tech is always kind of felt like that is a little bit of a Stillwater situation and that it's just mm-hmm. not the most welcoming place. You better win a lot and they kind of accept you. And if you're not winning, it, it's just kind of a, it's a tough boys club to get into out there, if you will. You either you either need to be winning big or you need to be one of their guys. Like right. th- th- there's yeah. no, mm-hmm. well, you're not the gonna have is, much room to breathe. How many people are their guys? <laughs> Those personalities don't really seem yeah. to exist. Uh, I mean, I mean, you're, you got you you got rid of Mike Leach and brought in someone that was like yourself, apparently. Yet he left you in the middle of a recruiting dinner. For another job. <laughs> that that's gotta be one of the all time interesting fits and hires and although you could say that almost everywhere Tuberville landed. Like did badly. Well, that's kinda like yeah, well, that and just kind of like well, that was a that's kinda out of the blue. Like I didn't really see that one coming. Like he just kinda I mean, and not to say that Tommy Tuverill didn't have some good teams and some success, but he was never that front line guy that like you were like, Okay, yeah, he's gonna get hired here. Like he was kinda always like, Oh, yeah, Tommy Tuberville's up for that job. Like it was just always and there was always some weird stuff because he was the guy 
that was in the whole Auburn situation, right? Uh, years ago when they were going to hire, they were going to hire him away from Ole Miss and there was interviews that already happened. And like, apparently there were some handshake deals with boosters, but then it all fell apart because it went public and it was a whole, because Auburn still had, uh, who was the head coach at that point? I can't even think of who it would have been. Um, but there, there was, there was, they hadn't even fired their head coach and already agreed to terms with Tuberville. If I remember that, how that played out right. I, I could be flipping names. Yeah, it would have been Tommy Bowden. Bowden time yet? Yeah. Not Tommy, uh, um, Terry. Terry. Yeah. Terry would have been Terry Bowden. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Tommy Bowden was over at Clemson, yeah. wasn't he? Yeah. Berth Dabo. By the way, Eddie's pointing out to us in the war room that Clemson has found out that Brent is using some of their slogans and they're not happy. It's just funny, like, how much. And I, I think that uh, Larry pointed it out a couple weeks ago. Like, he had, they have brought so much Clemson stuff and, like, ideology, I guess. And, it, you know, I, I think it, what works, works. I mean, obviously, I'd be making fun of it if it was a different school, but... It is what it is. Like you can't kind of got to trust the process, right? Well, won't Dabo just take all that to Clemson or to Alabama one of these days? Yeah, probably so. By the way, Tommy Tupperville is uh, on the uh, illustrious list of head coaches that have blocked me on Twitter. <laughs> it's it's kind of like two. yeah, it is kind of like like. If someone has coached at Auburn and your school, maybe it's a you problem. Because it seems like pretty much, I mean, like UCF, you're on deck. How crazy is Gus Malzahn? Or how crazy did you make him? I think he's going to do a I'll, great job down at UCF. I do too. I, 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 If there was a program 20 years from now that you told me is a perennial top 15 program that isn't there now, I would bet on UCF. I think everything's there for them to be really, really good. And there's nothing. Florida State, Florida, and Miami are so all over the map right now. There's a room for if someone can, you know, and it's a term I hear Andy Staples use a lot, but it's a good one. The vertical alignment from top to bottom, if they've got it, there's no reason they shouldn't take off because as their alums get older, they're going to have more money to spend, more to donate, and they've got a massive alumni base. It's only growing. You know, People don't realize how big UCF is. That's a huge school. I think UCF could definitely be, you know, become perennial, perennially better than Miami and Florida State. Mm-hmm. I think Florida just hired an idiot and we didn't realize it and they're they'll be fine. I mean I, I just you're, you're talking about You mean uh, you mean in Mullen? Yes, in Mullen? and Dan Mullen. I think it just okay. took us a while like, to I like figure out a lot. No, it took us a while to figure out how big of a moron Dan Mullen really was. And took Florida a while you to figure it out. Too. Might be onto something about that. I, just the way he handled recruit. I mean, and I and I know Anybody that listens knows I view it all through that lens. Like it, it, it just I can't I mean, he had not the, see things in those terms. He had but. the last worst twelve months of any coach that I can remember in recent memory. From the Cotton Bowl to getting fired, like well, what was what some, was the number out there? They had only beaten like two or 
three FBS teams. Like he was like three for, I want to say like 10. He was like three and 11, I think against FBS opponents before he got beat. Or I mean, uh, before he got fired or stepped down or whatever they called it. I mean, guys, Kyle Trask ascended and then they went to the Cotton Bowl and he just dove off of a cliff. His career just disappeared in front of our eyes. The guys, we we talk about the SEC being like a platinum card in recruiting and you can take that literally if you want to, whatever. But you have the SEC. You are the only school in the state of Florida who is an SEC member. Of all those great Florida schools, you're the only one. There is no reason on God's green earth you shouldn't be recruiting in the top six every year. Like it just should. That there's no way just geography that's not is the only because they're yes. so far up. In they Florida. are, but God, it's Florida. There's talent everywhere. I know, and everywhere and they get Miami. And you're kids right to by Georgia, Tallahassee. I mean, you're right, exactly. Right by Georgia. Gainesville is a lot better location than Tallahassee. Yes, talking about Florida, but I mean. Also, Tallahassee should be able to get better into Georgia than the other Florida schools, though. I've always felt like Florida State should do more in like Louisiana, like than they used to. Yeah, like you look back to some of like the Kevin Falk and those era. I mean, Kevin Falk didn't go to Florida State, but like you look back when they were really rolling, they were reeling in dudes from Louisiana, and they don't do it anymore. What is Houston to Tallahassee? Is that about nine hours? I would say that's right. Let me. I can I can map it. I have done Houston to Pensacola, which is vaguely in that. It's pretty. That's that where the airport that we flew into when we went to Florida yeah. State. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Or no, we flew uh, into we uh, Panama Beach. Let's see. That is ten hours according to Google Maps. So shout out Google Maps. So but that's about nine I'm, and a half. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it's just way up in the middle of nowhere. Now, it, like like I just said about Gainesville. Being that far up north, I mean, they are right on the Georgia border. Like, they are, you know, I, I'm guessing it's less than an hour from Tallahassee into Georgia. So, that there are absolutely positives. And they're not that far from Orlando, Tampa. I mean, but like I said, guys, it's Florida. You go out to the boonies in Florida, and you can find three dudes that can absolutely play. Like, I mean, it's just, you, you just throw a rock in any direction, man, and there are dudes down there. No, but back to the UCF thing. Yeah, I I absolutely think they could be, they could become better than Miami and Florida State on a regular regular basis. I don't think it'll happen, but they it, the possibility is certainly there. All right, um, I tell you, let's I mean, they have let's, been for the last decade. Let's hit on a little recruiting. Uh, the Dallas Rivals camp is coming up this weekend. Um, you know, OU summer camps. Uh, the schedule is out for those as well. Uh, and I think, what was there? Is there like four elite camps that they're putting on yes. this year? Beginning June, June 1st, those first couple of weeks of June, there will be four. Uh, Brent said, I mean, he was adamant. You got to come to campus. But obviously, uh, the spring game uh, being, you know, kind of the centerpiece of everything. Uh, and, you know, Baker Mayfield statue at halftime. I don't know, real quick before we jump head first into recruiting, like what kind of, um, what kind of, Buzz, not buzz, but what what's the atmosphere for you guys, what you're getting in terms of filling up that stadium? Because to me, I'll just say it just seems like a pretty typical spring so far in terms yep. of interest to me. I mean, people are excited about Brent, but I don't hear a lot of people clamoring about, oh, really, I hope we can fill up that stadium. Like, 
I don't I hear mean, a lot I, of that. I think it's because it's we're what sixteen, almost two weeks out still. I think by the time the, the spring game comes and you know if they get nice weather that weekend, which it usually is that's, towards the end of April, it's gonna be. I bet, that's gonna be the kicker. If there's severe weather or not because we're getting into that period. Well, I mean we're Oklahomans. We're used to it. Yep. Uh, I would be shocked if they didn't get. I don't know sixty plus. I, that's the thing. I mean, you might not get eighty-five, but right. I think just pushing for a full stadium is going to get you closer to sixty. Yeah, if it's a sixty's my day floor. Out. I don't mm-hmm. know what they've done as any initiatives to do something different. What do you mean? Well, I mean the to Baker stuff at halftime instead well, of after the game. That was the first good yeah. decision they made. I mean, I think that there's enough buzz around. There's a lot of social media videos, but sure. Beyond that, uh, it feels like any other year when it comes to that. For me, it's hard to distinguish. Poorly attended to begin with, though. I mean, they still get usually 50, and that's just on a regular weekend. I think new quarterback, whole new staff, you know, defense. I think that's that's the those are the things that generally come together to get you a bigger than normal attendance. Yeah. Especially new quarterback that no one has seen in an OU uniform before that has some hype behind them. It it's one of those things like I, I'm kind of with Eddie. I I agree with you, Carrie, that I don't feel that different about what I'm seeing, but I feel like it's gonna build because of the things you're talking about. Like there are storylines that are interesting beyond just people being excited about Brent Venables. And let's, you know, like we've talked about a hundred times in the podcast, a lot of people wanting to do these things just to give a middle finger to the, their previous head coach, just to be like, we're invested now. We, we care. like, you know, this wasn't, I, I don't know, like almost like a, like you date your, you know, your ex's best friend just for spite, like that kind of deal. Like we're going to do it just to show you more than, you know, anything else. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it. like you said, 16 days or whatever, we'll give it time and see if we feel differently. Hell, next week on the pod. All right, so recruiting, though, um, as I said, Dallas coming up this weekend. Uh, what do you expect out of that Rivals camp, Josh? And uh, uh, just anything you kind of want to throw out there uh, of note as of late? Well, you know, it would be my first time, and, you know, one of the big additions here in the last few days has been Mikhail Harrison Pilot, the uh, receiver from the Austin. Well, I said Austin area the other day, and somebody was like, it's 40 miles north of Austin. It's not in the area. Whatever. I don't care. How do you want to term it? Whatever. <laughs> he is in the great map of the United States. He is absolutely from the Austin area. He's central Texas, whatever you want to call it. Uh, he is a, he's clearly been one of their focal points in recruiting, uh, at the receiver position since the new staff took over. They've always made him a focus. I think he and Levy really had a good relationship dating back to when Levy was old miss. So they've built on that. I had a chance to watch him, you know, a little bit a couple of weeks ago. I was really focused on Jackson Arnold, but I had a chance to watch him run some routes. Big, impressive guy, really big in the lower body. Kind of reminds me, Carrie, um, of Brandon Jones back back Ooh, in the wow. day, that big lower body, um, real vertical, you know, got real vertical speed. Um, I, I I like him a lot. Just kind of a, a, an interesting guy, and, and was a really good kid to talk to. Um, now 
you know, some other guys, there's talk of David Stone being there. He's told me he will be. I don't know. He's coming from Florida. Those things have a tendency to fall apart late, but we'll see. I mean, David's definitely a guy that is interested in having his name out as much as possible. So we'll, we'll see what happens there, but it's, it's a possibility. Um, it should be a really good list. When I, when I talk to Dallas area people, there's, there is an expectation of a lot of these guys kind of adding late. Uh, Marcus Deal will be there, one of the big, uh, kind of really a two-way lineman that Oklahoma's recruiting right now, both on the offensive and defensive side. So, I mean, like, you go down the list. There there are some guys that won't be there. You know, you'd love to see Jackson Arnold. Uh, Ashton Cozart was going to come, apparently pulled a hammy here in the last week or two, so he's shutting it down, kind of just making sure, you know, he doesn't do anything more serious. Um, but it, it really should be a good camp. I think like a lot of times at Rivals Camp, we're going to find a lot of the younger guys. Like I would, I kind of expect Colin Simmons to show up from Duncanville, the guy that's our number one player in the country in 2024. If only because he is our number one guy. We've given him a lot of love. You kind of think he'll show up. I'm, I'm kind of going over the roster as I look at it. It's always being updated and changed, but it looks like a solid group that as I'm looking at it now, I'm finding a lot more yeses than I've seen previously in the week. So our guy Nick Harris is doing a really nice job rounding out this group and making it look like a pretty good camp. I just uh, saw that uh, looks like OU's added another uh, pretty big name to their uh, spring game weekend. That's Peyton Kirkland. Uh, yeah, the, that... That uh, just I'm sorry, just I, a, just just this is just out by Ryan Smith, uh, our uh, national Ryan Wright, our uh, national one of our national guys. He's I guess he's visiting yep. Michigan State and then going to visit Oklahoma on the spring game weekend unofficially. Yep, there there are a lot of guys that are going to be there, and then I kind of keep thinking like, oh, that's going to be your official, right? Like, nope, like he'll be there, and one of the interesting storylines. It looks like a lot of offensive linemen are going to be there. So this could be OU's chance to kind of, you know, because linemen more than any other group, they think as a group. Like, they, like I, you know, I know it's cool if I'm a good left tackle, but I want to go in with an O-line class that can, you know, we're going to establish the run and we're going to have, you know, we're going to protect uh, Jackson Arnold or whoever the quarterback is. They look at it in those terms in a lot of, uh, most of the time, I would say. And, Peyton Kirkland will be there. Josh Bates, the lone offensive line commitment, he'll be there, and he's been working all these guys hard. Caden Green is going to be there. And then with, like, Peyton Kirkland is going to come on his own dime on April 23rd and then going to come back and be for uh, his official visit the June 3rd barbecue weekend. So OU is going to really get to hit him <laughs> with pretty much their best shot two times in a row. And then we'll know. I mean, Peyton Kirkland, a lot of people think Florida is, is going to be tough to beat there. I kind of agree with that. But if if you were going to give OU a chance, you're letting them put their best foot forward twice. So, you know, maybe. And any kid that comes from Florida on his own dime, I, I always say, like, you can't overlook a guy like that. Even if it's very unlikely, the fact that he's willing to do it says there is sincere interest there. And he's committing July 23rd, correct? Yes. A lot of 23rds in there for me to keep straight. Yeah. <laughs> along, you know, for those that don't know, along with Malik Bryant, the big time linebacker from IMG and, uh, Derek LeBlanc, who 
I think LeBlanc could be the key if OU is actually going to get Kirkland. Because like I said, I would bet on Florida right now with Kirkland. But Derek LeBlanc, when I talk to him, I mean, he's been up to OU a couple times, came a few weeks ago. He loves it. And his dad has a coaching background. He knows Todd Bates. He knows Brent Venables. Like, he's not a guy that I, you know, because he has his dad there to kind of cut through some of the bull, I don't think he gets wrapped up in some of the same things that other kids might. He's going to focus on who's going to prepare me the best, who's the best stat. Like, you know, a lot of the things that I think OU can win with, I think are going to resonate with Derek LeBlanc. And if they can get him on board and he's working on Peyton Kirkland, maybe, maybe. Now, there's also a possibility those three guys all go to the same place, and that's why they're all doing it at the same time. I don't know. But I think that is, if OU is going to get Peyton Kirkland, I think they have to get Derek LeBlanc, and I think there is a path where I can see that happening. Bob, you got anything in particular for Josh you want to throw out there recruiting-wise? I don't think so. We're all just sort of waiting for the spring game. And it is, it's pretty, I don't say like alarming, but it's interesting. A lot of them are unofficial visits as opposed to mm-hmm. using their official visit. When you hear Brent Venables talking about how important recruiting is going to be for this event. And it d- does sound like a lot of these kids are going to be willing to do it on their own, their own time. I'm sure that there's a lot of people that I, I did see that people wanted us to, I guess at least talk about it on the board, uh, Josh. Just as far as A and M and what they're doing and how it affects Oklahoma. Uh, sure. I mean, what level of concern? I I'm not somebody that just sits here and overreacts to something, but it's hard not to look at what A and M's done here over the last year and a half, two years, and you go, I mean, they're moving in the right direction. It seems like everything is moving in a extremely positive direction. Is it? I guess, threatening to Oklahoma. I mean, I, I don't know how you couldn't be in a way, but I don't know if it's something that like you just pack up in, in the program for either. <laughs> A&M is doing, you know, like, I, and I want to be careful how it's like, they're, they're succeeding. They're doing things in a way that are helping their program improve. At the same time, people are trying, people are finding, they're, they're looking for, you know, skeletons in the closet. Like, David Hicks moving from Allen to back to Katie, where he has lived most of his life and his dad taking a coaching job on a staff down there. That, that, that's not connected. Like I, the Gabe Dindy thing. Yep. I, I can get there. No problem. That, that was clearly something that an A&M booster thought and it helped and all that stuff. Great. That's fine. Like you, you can make that connection. David Hicks, like, no, that that's not. And knowing his dad, I I I think that would go. Like I said of Dindy, I think if the Dindies had felt that was the reason, I think it would have turned them off of A and M. And you know, like you can argue whether it did or didn't, but he picked Oklahoma until until things totally changed for him. With Hicks, I I his dad's just not going to let that stuff run the decision. And I know. I, I don't think there's any question. The staff his dad is most familiar with, or at least the, co- the coach that his father is most familiar with, is Todd Bates. There's a long-standing relationship there. They really like each other. They get along very well. I, I, I don't think OU is going anywhere in that recruitment. If I was picking right now, I still would pick OU for David Hicks. Now, that can change. I, I, I don't want people to 
think that's some guarantee. I mean, that things, things evolve. We'll see where it goes. But people acting like the NIL is everything, to some kids it is. And I'll be completely honest about that. But a lot of kids can see fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000 is not worth my college decision when I'm a legitimate NFL-type talent. Like, that's not why I'm going to make this choice. And again, David Hicks is now going to follow a class that had seven Rivals 100 members on the defensive line. Like, at some point, the numbers just don't sustain. Like, you can't, you're not going to, like, Nick Saban doesn't live like that. Like, at some point, it does break. And so we'll see what happens. I, I I think people are really getting themselves wound up and really convincing themselves that A&M is the boogeyman and it's it's nothing ever is going to work. Guys, the previous staff got Gabe Dindy out of Florida last year when his family was about to move to College Station, Texas. Like, it's not an insurmountable mountain. Like, just, just breathe a little bit. Like, it's going to be okay. Um but at the same time, like you, you have like A and M's doing great stuff. Like those two things can both be true. A and M can be really tough to recruit against, and yet you can still win recruits. Uh, the, I, I did want to say because I, I know Bob didn't have anything else. Uh, another guy that is expected to be in Norman for for his official visit is the Phil Picciotti kid that came in from Pennsylvania, who will be making his third visit to Norman for that June third weekend, and. Uh, you know, talking to people both in, you know, around Norman and both uh, and around the Penn State program, OU's got a chance there. They really do. I, I think Penn State has kind of cooled on him a little bit and it's leaving a door open for Oklahoma. Um, and as someone brought up, at Oklahoma, he'd work under Brent Venables. At Penn State, he'd be working under Manny Diaz. I, Our favorite I know where defense I was going about there. it. decision has to be made there. <laughs> I mean, he's going to yeah, get to I blitz mean, it, a lot, at I, least, I, at yeah, Penn State. Who wouldn't make that? Uh, you know, that's you're right, Kerry. I mean, he he's he's going to get, you know, be a part of a lot of blitzes, probably have several tackles for loss, and, you know, Give up chase a lot, a lot of, of guys downfield. 80-yard touchdown yep. passes, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot, lot of screens over his head. So, you know, going to go both ways. But, Manny Diaz you know, will probably like have said, a power I, I think five head coaching job like in two years. There, there are more inexplicable careers, but that's one of. And I, and I won't lie. When Texas hired him from Mississippi State, I thought, man, this guy's really good. I really liked Manny Diaz. And then the more I watched him, I was like, oh no, that that is the he is the embodiment of like fans are like, why don't we blitz more? That's why you can't (laughs) do it every down. You can't do it all the damn time. Yeah. And I, I and I I tell myself that because I am one of those people like blitz blitz be aggressive be aggressive you can't do it all the time because it will just get torched. Yeah, as long as that other team has a tight end, they're going to have a big day. Uh huh. All right, um, man, that was uh, it's a good show. About an hour and forty. How's Tiger doing? By the way, Tiger update before we get out of here. I know that's not going to matter when people listen to this back, but I'm curious. Did we lose Eddie? I think oh, no. he dropped a couple Sorry, of no, I've, I've been muted. I've muted okay. myself, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I like how it goes from you've been muted as in someone is <laughs> someone is, is, is 
keeping you from being on the air, like some nefarious I, plot. Well, I think I was, Bob I, answered I your question. <laughs> when when Tiger starts dropping shots, Eddie's cussing too much. <laughs> well, I saw a tweet was 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 Tiger cussing? It yeah, apparently like Tiger dropped an f bomb on the ESPN yes. Plus broadcast. Oh, really? Yeah, I, yes. I've been watching it, but I haven't been obviously listening. I he bogeyed he bogeyed eight. Had was in really good position. Should it's par five. You got a birdie there. Uh, didn't take advantage of it. Bogey date. Bounced back to even, and then uh, had a really really nice up and down on nine uh, to uh, make the turn at even par for the tournament. So it's kind of cool. Taylor Gooch was tied for the lead at one point. He doubled ten, uh, but you know obviously still in there. Cam Smith opened with a double today on one. And proceeded to run off like I think he birdied four of his last five holes in the front nine. So uh, Joaquin Neiman's actually the leader right now. He holed out from the middle of the fairway on nine. He's three under uh, as they go to the back nine. So let the fun begin. And we're going to start getting, you know, some of the big name Thursday afternoon guys are about to start teeing off, too. So should be a, uh, a really, really good afternoon. All right. Well, I'm sorry we didn't go long enough for your combo uh hour of Eddie talking Cubs and Tiger Woods, but uh, that'll come up later. We'll today. do that on future pods. There'll be future plenty pods. of uh, opportunity. And uh, stay logged into the site. We'll talk to Brent Venables tomorrow. Uh, so uh, uh, get the latest from him on spring camp. Haven't talked to him um, since when? Like last Wednesday? Last Monday. Last Monday. So did almost two weeks since we talked to Brent. So that'll be good to catch up with him. And uh, stay on the yeah. site. Bob and Eddie have you covered there uh, as well. I do think that there's an injury out there. Not like I, I've heard that Jaden Knowles was injured, but we'll see where that is exactly. All right. Uh, and don't forget, uh, Bedlam Baseball coming up this weekend. Take advantage of that Dead Soxie sale. Uh, use that promo code SCOOP, and uh, you'll get the percentage off of however many home runs uh, OU hit. Uh, up to 60% off of your order from Dead Soxy. So uh, thanks, guys. Uh, great show. We'll see you guys back again next week. Uh, and it'll be on Thursday again because we got Monday, Wednesday practice uh, coverage uh, interviews next week as well. Uh, so we'll be back again a week from today uh, for another episode of the Unofficial 40 Podcast from Soonerscoop.com.